Purdue had a wild Saturday, picking up a comeback victory against Alabama and Canada. And football had a wild Sunday with five commitments. Let's recap it all on Golden Black Radio. I'm Kyle Charters, Brian Newbert, and Tom Deanhart here as well. Brian, in a moment, but first this. Designing and building since 1968, TNW has changed the way people think about construction. TNW's three-stage approach to designing and building is unmatched throughout the construction industry. Learn more about TNW's people, passion, and projects at TWDesignBuild.com. Experience unparalleled comfort, service, and cuisine at the Whitaker Inn. This Midwestern oasis is perfect for a relaxing staycation or weekend getaway. Escape from the ordinary at the Whitaker Inn. Brian, the Boilermakers get a little bit of time off before taking on uh, Arizona this weekend in Indianapolis, which will be one of the biggest non-conference games in the country this season, I am sure. Uh, But Purdue comes into that game coming off a nice victory against Alabama and Canada. I mean, one thing that stuck out to me, Brian, about that game is just, I I think Purdue's ability to figure it out a little bit. I mean, I'm sort of a a vague way to say it or a general way to say something, but this team has, it feels like the ability to figure things out. And maybe that's because it can win in different ways. Uh, But Purdue was able to figure it out against Alabama and ultimately came away with a victory. Yeah, that um, it's not easy to overcome a half in which the opponent makes 13 threes. And it just didn't feel like they were ever going to miss, you know, and that's a situation where, um, it would be easy for a team to just think, oh, hey, it's not our day or whatever. But, uh, you know, Purdue kept finding ways in that last 10 minutes of that first half to keep that within within reason. You know, under a lot of circumstances, that could have gotten to like 18 or 20, in which case the second the complexion of the second half is very different. And uh, somehow, some way, Purdue kept it to two points there at, at halftime and when they did you had to think okay Purdue's got this game won um they figured it out when they needed to figure it out they're not winning but they're gonna win because of the way the game is trending yeah um and I I, I can't really sit here and pinpoint anything terribly creative they did to to keep it close but they just they scored just enough and they got just enough stops they got just enough rebounds to stay close now that said they they didn't get as many stops as they could have. They didn't get as many rebounds as they could have been in that position in the first place. But, you know, just kind of hanging in there was, uh, you know, really the most important part of that game. You could make the argument that the final few minutes of that first half were the most important, was the most important stretch of the game because of they just did not let Alabama build the sort of cushion that Alabama's shooting suggests Alabama probably very easily could have had or should have had. Under normal circumstances, if Purdue makes 13 threes and a half, you expect them to be up like 20 at half, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. For Purdue to be down only two, uh, that was, that kind of spoke to their, you know, stick-to-itiveness, their uh, unshakability, whatever kind of term you want to use. And I think that, that really said something. And uh, that's, that's the reason they won. And then obviously they were really good down the stretch of the game too. Braden Smith and Zach Eady were, you know, both great as individuals, but really special together. Yeah. Yeah. Braden Smith in the second half was uh, just excellent. Um, and he gives Purdue now another guy, right. That you can turn to 
when you need something to happen. I mean, those, those mid range, I know mid range jumpers are a dying art, uh, but he has the ability, especially off that the, the pick and rolls with, with Zach Eady uh, to get those. And for him, they're high percentage shots. And when Purdue needs baskets, uh, at critical points, whether it be him distributing to somebody or him just going and get it himself, he can go and get it himself. And and Purdue didn't really have that uh, last year, and it has it now. It's made a huge difference. Yeah, you can't. Um, you know, for years when we've when Purdue's had these great big guys, you know, you always talk about what's what's the first question people have to ask themselves when they prepare prepare for Purdue defensively. It's that how are you going to handle Caleb Swanigan? How are you going to handle A.J. Hammonds? How are you going to handle Isaac Haas? Are you going to double them? Are you going to triple them? Are you going to let Purdue live and die by threes? What are you going to do? And now the the first question I think people have to answer even more so than or just as much so as Zach Eady. And these two things are not necessarily mutually exclusive because of how much he and Braden Smith work together. But um I think the first question they have to start asking themselves or question one B to question one A is how are you going to cover Braden Smith and pick and roll? Because when you hedge him, he kills you. When you drop, he kills you. And um, I'll be interested to see what happens when somebody just kind of decides to do both. Uh, Um. I, I wouldn't anticipate him having any trouble reading and reacting in the moment if people just mix it up on him. But um, he's just been really good against whatever it is people have people have done to him. And you know, you know, Alabama was in one hundred percent drop because they wanted to keep Edie away from the basket. It's probably what they do anyway. Um, and uh, that freed up Braden Smith for jumpers. And now the next people Purdue has to play see that oh if. If we don't get up on him, he, he's going to kill us with jumpers. Um, and then he's going to go right back to, to killing hedges and all of that stuff. So it's uh, – he's just having a big-time, big-time season. He's 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 been really good when Purdue's needed him to be really good, you know, that one game aside. And I think that one game is an outlier at this point and probably shouldn't yeah. carry the sort of – the sort of outsized attention that I'm sure it does for people who look at the one on produced record instead of the, you know, nine or however many wins they have. Um, but uh, no, he's just been great. And uh, you know, he was, there were two elite players in that game and um, or three elite players in that game on this, on this day. One of them was Mark Sears. One of them was Zach Eady, and One of them was Braden Smith. Yeah. Have you ever seen a player get 35 and seven? And the reaction sort of is, well, good game. <laughs> yes. Uh, pretty much, pretty much him every game. Yeah. It's just crazy. Like, yeah, it, it's, it's, you know, I, I started saying this at the start of the year is just don't take it for granted because it's not something we even have to talk about after games anymore because it's just part of the landscape Yeah, and produce. Purdue's had a couple games like that. It's like, you know, when Caleb Swanigan was a sophomore too, it was like he gets 20 and 17 and you're like, Oh, Hey, 20 and 17. Wow. That's, that that's good. I, I guess, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, he'd get like 25 rebounds. And like you wouldn't even notice until the game was over. Right. Um, but yeah, it's just, just 
don't take it for granted in the moment if, if you're a Purdue partisan because th- these things don't come along very often. And he just, you know, he's a great player, but he, he's also a guy who just productivity kind of finds him just because of what he is and just all the fouls and the all the offensive rebounds and just all the all the stuff that kind of makes up his baseline of, of productivity. Um, it just keeps adding up. And every game you think you've seen his best and it feels like there's always something more that, that he does. And, you know, as I said, after the game, it's when you look at the box score, you're like, Oh, he only had seven rebounds. Well, had either of these teams, had either of these teams missed any shots that he probably would have had more rebounds, but yeah, um, that wasn't the nature of this game, but the 35 points in 36 minutes, like you couldn't have asked for any, for any more from his homecoming. It wasn't just about scoring either. It was like that play he made to tap that offensive rebound to Mason Gillis mm-hmm. so he could throw it over his head, head to Miles Colvin. That guy is seven foot four, 300 pounds. Yeah. Like, that's just insane. And when was the last time anyone has seen a seven four, three hundred pound guy make eleven of eleven foul shots at this level of basketball? I'm sure pros have done it, but you know you, you aren't supposed to be able to do that when you're that big. And he's just he's just absolutely remarkable. And uh, don't take it for granted because I don't think you'll ever see anything like this ever again at Purdue. No, it's amazing. He's a really good basketball player. He's more than just seven foot four. Uh, he does a, a, he does a lot uh, really well, and, yeah. and a lot of it was on display on Saturday. Uh, I thought Alabama was really good. That's the kind of team that Purdue struggles against historically. I mean, athletic length on the inside, guys that can be physical. Uh, with Zach Eady, uh, you know they they wanted to be physical with him and were. They got in foul trouble because of it. Uh, and then a lead guard that can can really play and can hit some shots, and the rest of those guys can hit some shots. For Purdue to be able to win a game like that, now they lost to Northwestern, uh, a team that you know, plays somewhat similarly, at least has a, a, a lead guard who can really take things over. Uh, but that's a it's a good it's a good win against a team that you know you look at on paper and think, man, this team's going to be really a difficult matchup for Purdue. Well, they they're a good offensive team. They're not a great defensive team. And they could not match up with Zach Eady on the interior. They tried to be physical. Uh, Nick Pringle, I don't think wanted to play. Uh, I think he (laughs) just was like, he was just like the hell with this. I'm, 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 I'm going to opt out of this game. Um, So he fouled out in like eight minutes. And uh, there were a couple of times where he's just like, all right, just call the foul. Let me get out of here. This is, I'm good. Um, but no, Purdue obviously had a big advantage down there, and um, I think Purdue did a great job crafting offense to get Zach Eady the ball in a lot of different ways around the basket. I think Braden Smith obviously has unlocked something else in Zach Eady this year with his ability to uh, use him in pick and roll, but also just use pick and roll to get him the ball. I think uh, Zach Eady did a great job. Um, I think this is an underrated part of his game is catching those damn fastballs Purdue was throwing in there. I mean, they're throwing the ball in there hundred miles an hour. You know, Mason Gillis uh, could probably throw uh, 80, 90 miles an hour, whatever it might've been in high school. 
uh, as a pitcher and he's 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 applying that skill to his post entries at times and you know so is Fletcher Lawyer and um you know I think the ball went through Edie's hands the once and it ended up back with Purdue there late in the game but uh Zach Edie's doing a great job catching the ball catching the ball at angles where he can just quickly turn go right into a move but he's also being patient and understanding where the help is coming from and kind of playing cat and mouse with it and kind of seeing the big picture. And that's something big guys don't do very well. Typically they, they don't see the big picture. They don't understand that when Braden Smith throws the ball in from the top and, you know, Caleb first has run a sacrificial cut to move the floor man out of the way. Um, it's the point guard who might crash down to, tr- to try to double. And, you know, Zach Eady just killed it and hit Braden Smith of that three and, uh, I think both his assists, uh, I don't have the box score in front of me, I don't know how many assists he had, but both of his assists went for threes and uh, um, just kind of hit the help right on the screws. And um, he he just has been in really total control of this game. The one thing that didn't go his way was just that I, I thought the officials called things in bursts on Alabama and then they just kind of cooled it off from there because they didn't want to, they didn't want to make it so lopsided. So Purdue would get like four calls in like one possession and they they wouldn't they yeah. wouldn't get a call again for like ten minutes. And uh that's kind of what Purdue does to you. And um SEC people especially this season have not really understood that. They just look at the foul differential, they look at the free throw differential, and they don't understand style of play and they don't understand what they're dealing with in Zach Eady. And um but I think Purdue could have gotten even more calls and could have gotten even more free throws and Zach Eady could have even been more productive had had things kept going the way they were going. Thanks, Brian. Yep. Bye. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back, talk to Tom on what was a very busy recruiting weekend. We'll do that coming up next. This is Golden Black Radio. On the far end of Main Street in downtown Lafayette, you'll find East End Grill, industrial and classic. The restaurant is built like a steakhouse, but handles like a bistro. East End Grill's menu includes creative starters, simple chopped salads, burgers, fresh fish, and steaks, and the signature shrimp and grits. The staff prepares every item from scratch and emphasizes simple meals that incorporate fresh, local, and seasonal ingredients. A warm and inviting dining room features a cozy bar that includes a great selection of craft beer, inspired cocktails, and a robust and expanding wine list. Whatever your entertainment needs are, a cocktail at the bar, dinner with family, or a special event in the private dining room, the energized and attentive staff is here for you. Eastern Grill in downtown Lafayette, welcome to our table. When it comes to land sales, it pays to have experts in your corner. AcrePro Midwest Farm Group is your local farmland specialist. With decades of experience in Indiana agriculture, no one knows the market better. Whether you're doing a 1031 exchange or simply buying and selling farmland, your local AcrePro agent will walk the land with you and ensure the deal is done right. Visit AcrePro.com or call 765-775-6502 and talk to your local land expert today. Again, 765-775-6502. At Purdue Federal Credit Union, it's about a relationship. A relationship that goes where you go, wherever you are in life. A relationship that's committed to free financial wellness resources, lower fees, and innovative digital banking solutions. Because we believe in people helping people. Let's build your financial future together. Purdue Federal Credit Union, your trusted financial partner for life. Federally insured by NCUA. Tom, a big day as part of a big weekend for... 
Purdue recruiting, uh, especially out of the transfer portal. Purdue gets five transfers, uh, at least commitments through the portal. Uh, gets one other a late commitment from uh, high school ranks as well. I, I just have to say that we'll preface this whole conversation. Look, Tom, in sports, you cannot be any more than 110% committed. That is the rules. You cannot be 1,000% committed. You can only be – this is a rule. This is a sports rule. You can only be 110% committed. Am I right? You're right, but before I go any further, I, I just want to let you know that I'm blessed to have this conversation with you. <laughs> I'm blessed. And uh, respect my decision, Kyle Charters. <laughs> say just respect it, okay? That's all I have. We are kidding, of course, but I, I, I just think that's that's great. Uh, the the thousand percent committed is is funny to me uh, because I I like to joke that you can you can only be one hundred and ten percent, only one hundred and ten percent. You can only give one hundred and ten percent effort in sports. You can only be one hundred and ten percent committed. Those are the rules. I don't make them up. Uh, that's just the way it is. All right, uh, let's jump in here and break some of this down. Uh, Purdue gets the five uh, transfer commitments, the one high school commitment. In terms of the transfer commitments, I look, look the the offensive line was uh, and continues probably to be uh, the number one priority. Purdue gets uh, three transfer commitments uh, over the weekend at those spots. Uh, at the very least, Purdue needs to add depth, uh, and they <laughs> probably need some starters along that line as well. It seems like it was a good weekend for Purdue. Yeah, you're right, Kyle. The uh, uh... The whole run of commitments started on Friday when they got the Notre Dame kid, Joey Tanona, um, from Zionsville High School originally. That sort of was a preview of what was to come on Sunday, which you referenced there off the jump. Um, five commitments, three portal guys, one high school kid, and and uh, one junior college player. So, yeah, but offensive line was really the theme of this last weekend, right? Again, um, four offensive linemen. I've uh, joined the fray, and I mentioned Joey Tonona from 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 Notre Dame originally, and they've got uh, they got the kid from Ball State, Corey Stewart, a tackle. They got a tackle from New Mexico, a kid named DJ Wingfield, and uh, they got a junior college transfer kid as well, um, Rod Green. So, uh, like you said, to really add some depth to that unit that needed depth for sure, and also got some size, Kyle. I think they need to be a little bit bigger. And uh, especially on the interior guard. So you're right. It's a, it's a, these are nice additions, Kyle. Remember, Purdue's got coming back Marcus Bow, Mohamed Musa, Gus Hartwig, and Jalen Grant, four guys who started most of the year. Yeah. So that's a nice foundation to work with. Luke, Luke Griffin, who's coming on a guard, he, he, he's returned as well. May not be ready for fall, fall camp after getting hurt. But again, they got some, some nice pieces returning. Yeah, these guys in Kyle, I think it gives that that offensive line uh, staff and, and unit overall, just a lot, lot more to work with. Yeah. Nice pieces there. I mean, obviously you got to stay healthy, which Purdue did not do uh, last year, but you do need some, some more depth. You need some guys to, you know, sort of compete a little bit, any feel on, you know, certainly any one of the four guys is going to be able to be given every opportunity to, to make a move in the depth chart, but any feel on, you know, which of those guys Purdue might, you know, have really high hopes for couple guys, Kyle, you know, going back to Joey Tonona, um, big 6'5", 300-pound kid, signed with Notre Dame. 
2022, played football for one year at Zionsville. Gus Hartwig was a four-star recruit, could have gone anywhere. Uh, you know, he enrolled early at Notre Dame, was in a car crash in like January 2022, was hurt pretty bad, dealt with concussions, retired from football, and now he's back. You know, he had a change of heart, was medically cleared, sort of wants to get closer to home. And that's the key that, again, if uh, – He's as good as his hype as far as high school credentials go. Could be a real special player, guard, or tackle for Purdue. Now, he may not be ready right out of the box, Kyle. He hasn't played football since he was in Zinesville. So he may he may take a little bit of time to get up to speed. Yeah. He could be a, a real difference maker. And the other guy, I really, Kyle, I like Corey Stewart, the kid from Ball State. Um, got two years of eligibility. Uh, you know, he's another big guy, 6'5", 300 pounds from Nashville. He was the first team all Mac player, Kyle. Started a lot of football games. At Ball State, uh, left tackle. That's a guy I think pretty expects to come in and start at one of his two tackle spots. And don't don't sleep on DJ Wingfield either, the kid from New Mexico. He's only got one year of eligibility, um, but that's a guy who, who, who who's, who's, whose hallmark spot is tackle that could come in and push for a starting job too. So they like the, I like I like those all three of those guys a lot. I, th- I think the kid, the junior college kid, Rod Green, he's got size too, six five three fifteen, but. Uh, he may be a guy that uh, he may be able to push for a spot, Kyle, but he may be a guy that ends up being more of a depth player. But maybe I'm underestimating him at this point. Purdue also picked up the defensive lineman transfer from Kentucky, Jamarius Dinkins, another guy who's a you know big-bodied uh, player, um, you know, with a little bit of experience down there for the Wildcats. It seems to fit in for what Purdue wants to do on its defense. Yeah, you're right. They lost a couple couple starters. On the edge up uh, from last year, Isaiah Nichols, a transfer from Arkansas, who's honorable mention all Big Ten. And then Malik Langham from Vanderbilt was a real solid player for Purdue as well. Those two guys started on the edge. Cole Brevard was your nose tackle. Well, they're gone. And this is the spot where this Dinkins kid can come in, I think, and help them out, uh, you know, provide some depth for a unit that uh, was able to rotate a lot of bodies. And uh, he's a guy that, like I said, can really help replace uh, guys like Langham and Nichols moving forward here. So Purdue's up to, by your count, I saw another count online, but we'll go with your count. Uh, you probably have a finger on this a little bit better than others. 21 in the transfer portal. Um, I, I mean this with all due respect to the players who have decided to leave Purdue, but do we care? <laughs> well, 21 <laughs> guys by my count. I got 21, that's including three walk-ons. So 18 scholarship players. I've chronicled all of them as they've jumped in on the website. There's a we have a running list, transfer portal tracker, if you will, guys coming and going, and and then I usually have a write up each time a guy leaves. So there, there are two guys I think um, that that maybe hurt the most as he go. Uh, Deion Burks, the wide receiver, of course, who's number one wide out this last year, always described as a freak. We knew his speed. He's he's fast. He's strong. Made some plays this year, Kyle. Uh, and then Dylan Downing, the running back, um, those two guys I think maybe hurt the most. Uh, otherwise, I'm not sure if uh, you know, most of the players who left will leave that big of a hole. Now, Corday Sidner, without a doubt, Kyle, outside linebacker, um, he at the port has gotten a lot of interest if you're tracking his offers. Yeah, He was a guy that just wasn't a fit for this defense, though. He's more of a, a traditional end in a, in a 4-3 alignment. Yeah. So it's not that they didn't want him, but he just really wasn't a fit for what they did here schematically defensively. Yeah. But again, Burks and Downing for sure were guys who would have had pretty prominent roles next year, Kyle. And for them to leave well, hurts a little bit, but most of the other guys, 
I think it was an opportunity then for maybe to pursue other other opportunities. So Purdue still got a bunch of spots uh, to fill. I mean, with 21 leaving and uh, you know, a handful already committed, uh, you've got more spots there. Uh, you would anticipate this still continuing to be a, a, a busy month, I would imagine, from a portal perspective. Yeah, without a doubt. Now, the portal is going to be open until, I think it's January 2nd. You know, it opened on December 4th. It's open for 30 days here. Um, so, yeah, you know, they had a couple of other kids visit this last weekend. They had a, a defensive end from Boston College in. They had a wide receiver from, from Louisiana Tech in as well. Uh, they'll have some more visits coming up uh, this weekend, too. Uh, by my count, too, Kyle, on the website, people have probably seen I've got a, I think a pretty accurate 2024 scholarship counter a distribution chart where everybody's broken down by position and by years. And yeah. right now I've got I've got pretty much 78 scholarships accounted for. Of course you get 85. I think I think a couple other could end up freeing up here at some point, if not this winter after spring football. But at the very least, according to my books, my record keeping, I've got them at 78. So that gives them what seven available scholarships. And yeah, expect more activity here. Um, without a doubt, I think I think Purdue's got to get a portal running back. I think they got to get two, at least two wide receivers out of the portal. I think, and I think you'll see Purdue maybe look. They already are kicking tires on cornerbacks. Maybe bring in a couple cornerbacks too. So again, a couple cornerbacks, couple receivers, um, running back, maybe someone off the edge, an edge rusher, an outside linebacker too. Yeah. And I'm not, I think they may be done at, at offensive line, but again, uh, I think those are the, those are the spots people should keep your eye on for moving forward here. And I think that's what Purdue's really kicking the tires on looking to try to add here. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about Donovan Hamilton. He is the wide receiver from Hamilton Southeastern who committed uh, over the weekend as well, the 23rd commitment in the 2024 class. So a late addition here, these guys will sign on December 20th. Purdue, Needed to pick up another receiver after losing one to a decommitment uh, earlier this month, right? Yeah, you're right. They lost Keonde Henry just last week. I think it may have been a week ago today. Kid from Texas decommitted. And, uh, yeah, this this kid, you know, Hamilton, Donovan Hamilton, 6'4", about 195, Hamilton Southeastern, Fishers, Indiana, suburban Indianapolis. Uh, had a lot of MAC offers. Picked up some heat late. Purdue really went back. I think reevaluated on him. Look at his film. Had a good senior year. He was actually given the the uh, Mister and in the end they give out awards to every position as as Mister Football. He was he was Mister Football wide receiver this year in the state of Indiana. Indian and the Hoosiers came in and offered him late too, like Purdue after IU got the new head coach. So you know a very intriguing guy from a physical standpoint with that big wide receiver, kind of six four target. His dad Brian played up at Notre Dame. Played in the NFL, so he's got good bloodlines as well. So yeah, it just looks like it looks like a good late pickup, right? A guy maybe was overlooked, has the frame, has the credentials, has the want to seemingly. Uh, and again, a guy who can maybe bring bring a, a playmaking element, especially when you get in that red zone, a big target like that in the future for Purdue. Yeah. All right, thanks, Tom. You bet, buddy. That'll do it for our podcast for this week. A thanks to our sponsors, as always. If you do like the podcast. Please rate us five stars on your favorite podcast app. Leave us a comment as well. All right, that'll do it for our show for this Monday. For Brian Newbert and Tom Deanhart, I'm Kyle Charters. This is Golden Black Radio.